Who's glad to be at church today? Anybody glad to be in the house of God? He is here. Amen. Hey, I'm so glad that you're in church today. And a big hello, too, to everybody who's online with us. Uh, wherever or whenever you're watching this, we are so thankful that you're part of our church family. Uh, like, we literally have people who watch coast to coast. And I'm just so thankful that we're able to bring this service uh, to, to your home, to your car, to wherever you are, your campsite. I don't know where you are, but we're grateful that we're able to do that. So let's welcome everybody online today. Come on, church, put our hands together. Thankful that you're with us today. And, uh, and I love that, that, uh, that video that the Rodriguez has sent to us all the way from Puerto Rico. You know, they, uh, in our legacy giving, uh, we said we want to make a difference. We want to be a blessing to pastors. Pastors are, are, are a big part of our heart here. And uh, so what we do every year is we send Christmas gifts to pastors across the nation. We send a, a Christmas check, and this year that family received one. And I'm so grateful for your generosity. It's really you and your giving that makes that happen. And, uh, and I want to say thank you because you are the most generous church. We never ask for anything. You're always generous. You're always meeting the need. All we ask is that you ask God what he wants you to do, and you do it. And we're, we're grateful for that. And so we're just committed. We're going to keep moving at the pace of your generosity, the pace that you give. We're going to keep making a difference, keep using it to, to God's glory. Amen? Amen. Well, we are in week number two. Today is day eight, week number two of 21 days of prayer. Come on, we got a few more weeks. Yeah. A few more weeks of prayer. And if you are here and you thought, man, I missed it, uh, uh, I, you know, there's no point in me going now. There's no point in me picking it up now. No, listen, the next best thing to 21 days of prayer is four, 14 days of prayer, okay? It's 14 days. You can start tomorrow, 6 a.m., Monday through Friday, and I know that sounds early, but I'm telling you, it's the best way to start your day. Your, your life will begin to look different as you fall more in love with Jesus. And, and for those of you who may wonder, like, well, if I have to leave early, can I still come? Yes. And it's one hour long. We, we don't go on and on and on and on and on. It's one hour prayer service from 6 to 7 a.m. And if you need to leave early, we get it, all right? We know you've got places to be. And, uh, and so I want to invite you to come back. In fact, uh, this week alone, the first seven days, 934 hours of prayer have been prayed in the first seven days. That's incredible. To God be the glory. And then just reminding you that two weeks from today, we are changing service times, and we're launching a brand new service on January the 29th. We're changing times to 8.15, 10 a.m., 11.45, and we are adding a 4.30 service, all right? And this is so exciting because you can look around this room, and you can see that it is at capacity, all right? And I, I want to take just a minute to speak to, to this room of people because this is the preferred service. This is the, the service that everybody wants to come to. It's the, the right time, and, and I love it. Last week, we had 610 people in the building in this one service alone. All right. We have 200 parking spots. <laughs> I 
There was 300 cars here last week, everybody. We, we, that's why it's just parked up and down the, the, the roads, and we, we love that. And so that's part of the reason we're changing these times to kind of create a little bit more space and a little bit more room, make, make room. It's kind of been our theme for this. Let's make room for the services, make room for the turnaround. But I want to ask you also to make room in the service. And, and if you're sold out to City Hope, if you would say, man, this is my church, you're my pastor. I'm 100% bought in. I, th- this is my church. I want to ask you to consider something, and that is consider moving to a, a less popul- a populated service, all right? And so 8.15, 11.45, Consider that. In fact, I, I want to ask you, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. Who of you would say, Pastor, I'm, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. Come on, lift up your hand. Come on, I see some hands. All right, come on. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Come on, I'm so thankful for that because it's making room in this service for it to grow because, because we're all about what? We're all about people. We're all about making room for people and we, we, will, we don't ever want there to be a person that drives in the parking lot and be like, well, it's too full to go. I guess we won't try there, okay? So uh, in fact, all our other services, the 815 and 1145, they are, they are growing significantly as well. And that's why we're adding the 430 as well. So thank you for, for doing that. Those of you who said yes to that, I'm, I'm uh, really grateful for that. So, well, we're going to uh, jump in to uh, our, we're going to jump into our, sur- our, our message today. We're in week three of a series that we're calling My Church, all right, as My Church. And My Church it's not like my church and your church. We're actually talking about our theme verse for this series from Matthew chapter 16, where Jesus says, I will build my church. And I love that he takes it personal. And he says, when I build my church, the gates of hell won't prevail against my church. Come on, somebody. So, so all we're trying to do at City Hope is we're trying to build the kind of church that the gates of hell won't prevail against. So in week one, we talked about Man, my church, the church of Jesus Christ, is, it's a church. This church is pursuing all that God has for us. Man, we're after God. We need a move of God in our city, don't we? we? We need a move of God in our nation, so we're pursuing all that he has for us. Last week, we talked about, man, my church is passionate about God. That's why we get, that's why we get a little bit loud in worship and people are clapping and singing and we're just lifting hands because we are passionate about God. We're not going to give... We're not going to give our God less than we would give our football team on a Saturday. Come on, we're going to give him the best. So, so today, though, I want to share a message with you that is, it's, uh, it's not a message I would normally share on a Sunday morning. And uh, that's because it's on, a little bit on the deeper end of the pool. And Sundays, is, um, Sundays for us, it's, it's, a, it's a day where we try to attract as many people as we can, get as many people to church as possible. We, Jesus did this. You got as many people there as possible, and then we just try to give next steps. We, we teach the gospel, we teach the Bible, we, we teach the scripture, but then we give next steps. Here's what it looks like to become a Christian, to go on this journey of discipleship. But then there are deeper parts of our church. You following me? And like First Wednesday is a deeper part of our church. Small groups are a deeper part of our church. And there's actually some small groups that are even deeper, like a freedom group, everybody. Amen. Freedom is so powerful. In fact, we're launching groups two weeks from today. And as we get ready to launch those groups, we're, we're doing a, a leader sign-up. We're doing leader trainings. All of that's happening. But there's one group that I would love for you, every person 
who would consider City Hope home. If, if, if you call this place home, there's one group I want all of you to go through, and it is the Freedom Group. And I would suggest at some point in your journey to go through this group, and don't just go through it one time. Come on, you got to go through it again and again. Why? Because we are human. <laughs> and we, we get free, and then we get, a little, we get a little bit of bondage. We get free, we get a little bit of bondage. We just need to keep going through it. And some of you need to lead those groups, right? Some of you need, we need leaders for those groups. But it's, it's, it's a group of really just getting free from some things in our lives. And so today, I'm going to bring a message from our freedom curriculum called Living in the Tree of Life, all right? And I'm excited about this message because it really is, it's, it's the difference between where some of us are living right now and, and where we could be living right now. So just as there, uh, I don't know if you know it or not, but in the Garden of Eden were two trees, two named trees. One was the tree of life and one was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And just as there are two trees in the Garden of Eden, there are two approaches to God. There's, one of them's better than the other, by the way, all right? <laughs> they look very similar, but they are not the same. And so I want, I want to just go a little bit deeper today in this message, and I want to kind of show us that God has given us two choices when it comes to how are we going to approach Him. In fact, I want us to, to answer that question, what is my approach to getting closer to God? How am I going to get closer to to God. We've called this year, this is the year of getting closer. This is the year, 2023, where we're going to get closer to God. We're going to get closer in relationships. We're going to get closer in, 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 in our serve, closer in every area of our life. And when, I'm, when, I, when I talk about the approach, what I mean is what's the filter? All right, what's the mindset you have? What is the worldview that you have when it comes to getting closer to God? I think that everyone on planet Earth is trying to get closer to God. They just don't know they're trying to get closer to God. They may be trying a different religion. They may, be, they may even say that they're an atheist. Come on, I believe that even atheists are trying to get closer to God. Did you hear about the, the Christian and his, his atheist friend? They were talking one day, and, and the Christian friend said to the atheist friend, he said, hey, are you really an atheist? He said, honest to God. I really, think, I really think everybody is trying to get closer to God. Just, they just don't realize that it's, it's God. So every person, here's why I think that. Every person on earth was created with a God-shaped hole in their heart. And they're searching for something. They're searching for satisfaction. They're searching for love, for joy, for fulfillment. And it will only be found in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only place they can find that. So we're, we're searching. Now, what I want to do today is I want to teach you these two approaches theologically first. I'm going to show it to you in the Bible, and we're going to kind of look at these two, two approaches, and then I want to show you how do we respond. Like, how do we, how, what should we do when we, as, we, as we realize these two approaches? Now, we're going to start in the book of Genesis. We start, the story, it starts with the first story of the Bible. The first story of the Bible is also... It's creation, which, by the way, is the first story of your life. You were created. You were born. And then we go to the second story of the Bible, which is a choice. And that's the second story of your life. 
you have a choice. All right, so we're going to pick it up in Genesis chapter 2, and if you've got your notes, you can, you can follow along in your worship guide. There's some notes in there. Um, you can follow along there, fill in the blanks. There's also notes on the, on the Bible app. If you want to uh, uh, open the Bible app and follow along there, you can, you can do that as well. So it starts in Genesis 2. It says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, and there he put the man that he had formed, talking about Adam. Well, the, the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground. These trees were pleasing to the eye, and they were good for food. And in the middle of the garden, there were the tree of life. All right, and when we talk about the tree of life today, I want you to think of the word life as an acrostic. The word life stands for living in freedom every day. Does that make sense? So when I say tree of life, I'm talking about living in freedom every day. So there's the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, most of us only remember there being one tree, don't we? We only thought there was one tree in the garden. There's two trees in the garden. And by the way, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil isn't it wasn't just that there was a God tree and a sinful tree. See, the, the, it's the knowledge of good, too. It's not just the knowledge of bad things. It's the knowledge of good things. But you've got to think about it this way. It's the tree of life, living in freedom every day, versus the tree of just doing what's right and wrong, living good versus bad. And when you live that kind of way, it's actually a performance-based Christianity. When you, live, when you live your life out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, so the, so the story keeps going, all right? It says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat. And this word eat just is, it means consume, ingest. So you can consume from any tree you want to. You can eat any tree in the garden, Adam. You, there, all of it's good for you, but, but there's one. There, there's one you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge God is saying, I don't want you to just consume the worldly knowledge. I don't want you to just consume what's right, what's wrong, what's good, what's bad, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. And that's the way most of us were raised, by the way. So I don't want you to, I don't want you to eat of that because if you do, if you consume that kind of lifestyle, if you consume that kind of Christianity, you're going to die. It's not going to be life-giving. All right? And so that's, that's what I want us to, to know today. Is, is that if you consume the knowledge of good and evil, it will take you to a place, a dangerous place of performance-based Christianity where you feel like you have to run faster, jump higher, do more in order to make God happy. All right, so we're going to go to the third so story here on the screen. Third story, Genesis 3. It's the third story of your life. Okay, so you were born, you had a choice, and now Satan shows up. Now you're tempted, okay? And this is where we see the serpent was more crafty. This is Satan. He was more crafty than any of the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, he said, did God really say? I mean, Eve, come on. Did God really say? And here's what you need to know is that if, if Satan knows that if he can get you to doubt God's word, he can get you to doubt God. Y'all following me? Man, if he, if he can get you to doubt what, did God really say? And he begins to use deception and trickery here. So notice what he says. He says, did God really say you shouldn't eat from any tree in the garden? And you know if you read the Bible, he doesn't say you can't eat from any tree. 
So Eve says, well, no, no, he, he said we may eat from the trees in the garden, but he did say you must not eat from, from the tree that is in the middle of the garden. Satan, Satan says, um, you won't die. She says, if we eat of it, we'll die. And Satan says, oh, no, 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 Eve, you're, you're not going to die if you eat that tree. No, he says, no, God, God just knows that if you eat that tree, your eyes will be opened. So notice what he does here. He doesn't appeal to her sinfulness. Okay, hey, Eve, come on, baby, let's go. He's not like, you know, you know, snort this, take this, shoot this, uh, uh, say this, look at this. He doesn't do that. He, he says, no, 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 Eve, hey, God just knows that if you, if you eat this fruit, you'll become like him. She doesn't appeal to, his, to her. He doesn't appeal to her sinfulness. He appeals to her desire to be godly, her godliness. He says, oh, Eve, if, I think God may be keeping something from you. I mean, it sounds to me like he doesn't want you to be like him. Because he knows if you eat this, you're going to be like him, Eve. Are you following me? Is this making sense to you? And, and, and you'll, know, you'll know good versus evil. But notice, notice what happens here. He uses her desire to, to live right against her. Are you seeing it? He knows you'll be, he'll knows you'll be, he knows you'll be like him. So when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, it was pleasing to the eye, and it was desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some of it and she ate it. And she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened. What does that mean? Their innocence was, was taken. I want you to think about it this way. I'm going to use an example that's uh, is the best one that I can, but think about maybe maybe a young person who sees pornography for the first time and their eyes are opened to something that is real but only meant for marriage and their innocence is taken. What they saw, it was the knowledge of good and bad. It was, it was right, it was just wrong. It wasn't meant for them. It was, it's meant for a husband and wife. And pornography is not meant, I'm not saying pornography is meant for a husband and wife. Please don't misunderstand me on that. <laughs> don't do it. But the actions are meant for a husband and wife. And so his, the child's innocence was taken. And what happens? They, they realize that they're naked. They realize that I've messed up. I've sinned. And they cover themselves with shame. And this is what Adam and Eve did here. Their eyes were open. They realized, man, we saw something we shouldn't have seen. We, we experienced something that wasn't meant for us. God never intended us to have this feeling to walk through this, and they covered themselves with shame. Does this make sense to you? Okay. So I'm just, I'm just trying to help you see the two different trees. There's a tree of life, living in freedom every day, and there's a tree of you better not go there. You better not do that. You, you better act right. It's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So what I want to do is I want to show you the difference between the two trees. I'm going to walk you through it, and I want you to take these notes, and then, and then I would love for you to really consider getting in a freedom group this coming semester because I believe um, this is a year of getting closer to God, and we get closer to God when we get free. Amen? Amen. All right, so here we go. In your notes, the knowledge of good and evil says you just got to do more to get to God. 
You've got to do more. If you want to get closer to God, you just do more. You just, you, and, and this is where a lot of people are stuck because it's about what I, it's about my actions. It's about what I, I, I do. I've got to run faster, jump higher, do more, be good enough, performance-based Christianity. And this is where I lived most of my life. I just got to do more. It's, it's where we think if I just serve more, if I just give more, if I just, if I just read more, if I just, if, I, if I just pray more, then I'll be godly. But you won't. It doesn't, it doesn't work that way. It's the wrong mindset. That's the, that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So, so what does the tree of life say? Well, the tree of life says you just need to receive what Jesus already did. See... See, the tree of knowledge of good and evil is about works-based Christianity. It's about what you do. But, but the tree of life is about what's already been done. Let me say it this way. Christianity is not about what you do to get to God. It's about what God did to get to you. He loved you so much he sent his one and only son. He already did it. He paid the price. He's, he's already paid the price. So there's nothing you can do to earn God's salvation. Nothing you can do to, to get your way to heaven. There's nothing you, you can do to, to earn it. Jesus said it this way, that you, you study the Bible. You study the scriptures because you think that by the scriptures, by reading it, by getting this knowledge inside of you, you think that you, you, think that you possess eternal life, but these scriptures actually testify about me yet you refuse to come to me. What he's saying is, you're too busy reading the Bible for knowledge that you forgot that the whole Bible was about me. It was about a relationship with me. And so we've got to receive what he's already done for us. All right? So the works-based, performance-based theology, tree of knowledge of good and evil says, you've got to work your way. You've got to do more. Tree of life says, it's already been done. Jesus already did it. All right, let's go to the second one. The tree of knowledge of good and evil says you, you need to try to earn. You've got to earn God's approval. Oh, you've got to work really hard at it, and you've got to earn his approval. And we see God, many people, I did, I saw God as an angry God. I could never make him happy. I could, I, I could never be good enough, smart enough to, to really prove myself to him. I, I was doomed. I felt that way. I felt like there's no use in even trying. What's the point? I'm never going to get this right. Um, some of you who, who grew up in church, you, re, you might remember uh, chick tracks. They were an evangelistic uh, tool that they used back in, in, in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and they would, you would find them on urinals or uh, bathroom stalls or doctor's offices, just random places people would leave them. Y'all know, who, who knows what I'm talking about? A little tract. And... I think they were pretty effective, but they were also, they also kind of scared me. Because it was a little scary because God was judgmental in those things. It's like, it's like, man, I, there's no hope. I don't know if I can do this. And I just want to tell you today that I don't think that's the heart of God. That's not who God is. He, he's not angry. A lot of us, we see God as a cosmic killjoy who's just waiting to zap us. I'm just waiting to, to, some of you today, maybe, maybe you thought, I can't go to church. It's liable to cave in on me. I mean, like, I, the roof may collapse. God may send a bolt of lightning. I, you, I've heard people joke about it. 
But there's a lot of people who believe that. And I'm just here to tell you today, no, that, that's, that's not it. See, that's, that's the wrong tree. That's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. The tree of life says we've got to receive his love. I don't have to earn his love. I don't have to work harder for his love. I don't have to be good enough to get his love. I just need to receive his love. Let me say it this way. He knows what you did last night, and he still loves you. Amen. He knows your past. He knows your present. He knows your future. He knows where you've been. He knows your mistakes. He knows how far you have fallen. He knows what you have struggled with your entire life. And he says, I want a relationship with you. If he has a refrigerator, your picture's on. That's how much he loves you. He loves you like that. He knows where you're at. And so Paul says it this way, that God loved us so much, he demonstrated his love for us and that while we were still sinners, we were still sinning, we were still doing our stuff. And, and Jesus, they weren't about to like nail him to the cross. And Jesus goes, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I need a prophetic word to kind of see if they're going to, if the people in 2023 are going to receive me or not before I go through with this. I just, I just need to make sure that they're going to they're gonna accept me. Because, I, I mean, I don't want to go through this pain if they're going to reject me. No, while we were still sinning, while we were still rejecting him. He died for us. He gave his life for us. That's the kind of God we serve. So we just have to receive his love. And I believe if we're going to be a church that lives in freedom every day, if we're going to be a church that is living in the tree of life, then we won't be able to contain the people that come through these doors. I'm telling you right now, we'll have to build buildings and launch campuses because this, this is new to people. What? You mean I don't have to... I don't have to earn my way? No, no, no. I'm telling you, we won't be able to contain the people that walk through these doors. I'm telling you. This, this, is, this, this changed my life when I realized there's two trees. There's two trees. All right, so tree of knowledge of good and evil. It says that you need, you need to focus on the external. You need, to, you need to dress the part. If you dress nice and if you act the part, they won't know that you've got sin in your life. That's pretty much how I grew up, works-based, performance-based. I mean, I, I, I had so many struggles, but I looked the part, I acted the part, and people thought that I had my act together. I didn't. I was fooling so many people because I was focused on the external. I was focused on just doing everything right. And you know what the funny thing is? I wasn't doing anything right. I was so focused on doing it all right, I wasn't doing anything right. So what do we do? The tree of life, living in freedom every day, focuses on the internal. What's God doing in me? What's God doing? Because if he's working in me, oh, he'll work on the outside of me too. He'll take care of the outside too. And I think this is the biggest difference between Old Testament and New Testament. What, what is it? The biggest difference is that Old Testament was that the law was written on stone tablets. It was the Ten Commandments. And if you didn't obey the Ten Commandments, what happened to you? More than likely, you, you were dead. That was, a, that was a punishment that was pretty common back in those days. You disobeyed the law. I guess we're going to have to put you to death. But in the New Testament, the law isn't written on stones. It's written on our hearts. 
And so I don't have to obey because I'm afraid of death. No, I get to obey because I love you so much, God. I want to obey. I want to serve you. I want to live right. I want to walk in obedience. Is this helping anybody today? It's making sense. I hope it is. I, I think, and I think our young people today are in a war. Gary was talking about our, our students and what God's doing in our students. And I think for, gen, for, for several generations, for several decades, we've been seeing our students in a war. And if, if you would allow me to kind of just be um, a, little, a little, maybe a little, I'll, I'll be gentle, but I want to be direct, is, is that most of us, we, we grew up in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and we grew up in a very rigid Christian home, which was rules-based. Don't do this. Don't go there. You better not. You better do this. Stop. Some of you, some of you didn't grow up in a Christian home at all. And, and, and so you actually might be better off than those who grew up in a Christian home. Because of the rigidness of, of some of the ways that we grew up. Not everybody grew up that way, but a lot of us did. And then we turn around and we do the same thing to our kids. You better not. You better stop. Don't do that. Don't go there. We, tr we, we, um, we surveyed our students several months ago. We asked them, what do you, I wish my parents knew. Several of them said, I wish, I wish my parents knew I was just a kid. I make mistakes. I just, I can't be perfect. And so what happens is we focus so much on the external that when our kids graduate high school, they go off to college Many of them fall away from God for a season because they never had an internal relationship. It was all about do's and don'ts, rules, regulations, religion, routines, rituals, but it was never about an internal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I just want to say, hey, let's change that, church. Let's change. Let's, let's begin to focus on the internal, everybody. Amen. And that's not to say, if, if, if that's you, if your child has fallen away, there's no shame, no guilt. That's, that's tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Stay in the tree of life. It's going to change, everybody. Those kids are going to come back to know Jesus. I believe it. Well, God said to Samuel, he says, the Lord doesn't look at what man looks at. Man's looking at the outside. He's looking at the external. God looks at the heart. I want to know, do they have a relationship with me? So, tree of knowledge of good and evil says it's about the external life, says it's internal. Tree of knowledge of good and evil says you need to obey out of duty. Better obey out of duty. This is where we like, like, we just obey because we don't want to go to hell. Well, I, I, just don't, I just don't want to burn in hell. Or, or as we say it here, hail. I don't want to burn in hail. If you serve God because you have to, because of religion, because, because you feel like he's going to come down on you with an iron fist, if you serve God for that reason, you will be a mean Christian. Judgmental, angry, harsh, pointing fingers at everybody. And that's why we, we can't live in the tree of life, no. We have to or live in, in the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We have to live in the tree of life that says, I obey out of delight, not duty. I don't have to do this. I get to do this. I, I don't know if you've ever heard somebody say, ah, the Lord just kept on me after a while. I just finally surrendered. <laughs> like they didn't have a choice. Like, 
I didn't want to surrender, but he just kept on me, and I, I just felt guilty, so I just finally surrendered to him. No, here's the way I feel about it. I get to do this. I get to serve God. It's a joy to serve God. I'm so glad he chose me. He called me. He gave me purpose in life. Amen, everybody? Yeah. All right, I got to hurry. got to hurry. So here's, here, here's the thing. This is the love for God. This is love for God. Here's how you know you, all right? You don't, you don't obey. You, 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 don't, you don't love God because of all the stuff that he does for you. You just love him for who he is, right? But love for God is this, that you obey his commandments. Now, now it's, it's, not, it's not I have to obey his commandments. It's I love you so much, of course I'll do that. I want to do that. It's the difference between when, you're, when you have to tell your kids over and over and over to do something. It's like, what's taking you so long? What, and they, they finally obey you because you told them to? Wouldn't you much rather your kids obey because they just wanted to? I just, yeah, I'll, I'll take the trash out. No worries. I got it. You don't have to ask. Oh, clean my room? It's already done. All the parents said, amen, hallelujah. All right, so let me give you three responses. I got to go through these pretty quick. Here, here they are. Is, is that we've got to fall in love with Jesus. If I'm going to live in the tree of life, I need to fall in love with Jesus. If I'm going to serve out of delight, not duty, fall in love with Jesus. How do I do that, Pastor Ben? How do I get closer? Well, you, you thank him. You think about who he is and what he has done for you. When I think about the Lord and how he saved me, how he raised me, how he filled me with the Holy Ghost, how he saved me to the uttermost. I think about, when I think about that, I, I can't help it. I just want to. I just want to serve God. And, 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 and by the way, he's not just my God. He's my friend. He's my friend. I think about that old song that says, and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And listen, when I fall down, he doesn't say, what's your problem, bro? You're still struggling with the same stuff? That's the voice many of you hear. And if that's the voice you hear, that's the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It's the voice I heard for so many years. You're still struggling with this? When are you going to be done with this, Ben? Come on, man. I mean, it's about time. And if that's the voice you hear, that's the wrong tree. In fact, Jesus said this. It's a verse I struggled with for years. He, he said, if you love me, I'll, you'll obey what I command. And, and for years, whenever I would read this scripture... What I heard Jesus saying to me was, if you love me, you will do what I tell you to do. I heard it like he was an angry father. I heard it like he was an overbearing, like iron-fisted, you better do what I say if you know what's best for you. That's the way I heard him. And then through the years, I learned that that wasn't the tone of Jesus. That wasn't what he was saying. He wasn't angry at me. He wasn't mad at me. He was madly in love with me. And he was saying, hey, if you love me, I know you'll want to do what's right. If you love me, I, you're going to fall. You're going to mess up. Ben, I know that. But hey, get back up again. He says, hey, give me, give me your hand. Let me help you back up again. And, and, 
and here's how you know. This, this verse illustrates the two trees, okay? Love is the tree of life. Obey is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Which side of the comma are you on? Are you, are you, are you serving God because you love him or because you have to obey him? Which side of this comma are you on? Fall in love with Jesus. And here's the thing. When you fall in love with Jesus, his love will compel you to do what's right. It'll compel you to serve him. It'll compel you to love him. So here's the truth. Here's what you can, you, you, you can, you can get out of this is that I can fulfill God's commands of the Bible better by falling in love with him rather than just trying to obey his commands. If I love him, I'll want to serve him. And that's what I'm trying to, to, to get us to understand today. So here's the second thing. Second thought here today, how do, how do we respond? How do we stay in the tree of life? Is we've got to respond to sin with life. All right, this is huge. This is what the church has not done very well. The, the capital C church has not done well for the last several decades is that we respond with hate, we respond with anger, we, res- we respond with, with, um, with so many different ways, but we, we don't do it with life. And I just want to let you off the hook today. I'm going to sin. I just need everybody to know, I'm going to sin. I'm not perfect. I know pastors get put on a pedestal. I'm going to sin. You're going to sin. We're all going to sin. Every one of us. But how you respond to sin reveals which tree you're living in. How you respond to sin reveals which tree you're living in. Are you living in the tree of life or the tree of knowledge of good and evil? Because Jesus said, hey, God didn't send me. He didn't send his son merely to point an accusing finger at everybody and to tell them how bad they are. He sent me to help. He sent me to put the world right again. And this is what I want. I want us to to respond with life. And if you watch Jesus, how he interacts in the Bible, if you watch him, he always interacts with sinners, with life. He always interacts with, with people who may be far from him, people who who have sin issues, he always does it with life. And you might think, well, what about that time that he turned the money changers, the tables over? What about the time he went into the temple and he drove them out with the whip? Those were church people that he did that to. That's a perspective. But with sinners, he always had life. Oh, Every single time, the leopards... Those who would have been considered unclean, the the zealots, the tax collectors. There was a time that he he had an interaction with a prostitute. And they brought this woman who was caught in the act of adultery to Jesus. They brought her. And they said, Jesus, the law of Moses says that you've got to stone her. You've got to kill her. What are you going to do? And Jesus kind of, he takes some time. He writes in the sand. They all end up walking away one by one because I think he revealed some things about them and they they didn't want their secrets out so they were just kind of, they just kind of wandered off. They were church people, by the way. Condemning, judgmental. And he looks at this prostitute, this woman, 
caught in the act of adultery. They're all gone. And he says, woman, where are your accusers? She says, there, there are none. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Grace, go and sin no more. Truth. And I'm telling you, every time Jesus has an interaction with sinners, there's always grace and truth. There always has to be grace and truth. And the grace comes first, by the way. The grace always comes first. He, he, says, he says, neither do I condemn you. Grace. See, grace invites you to be free. Truth actually sets you free. Amen. And so we need that. We need grace and truth in our lives. So, so here's the thing I want you to get is that Jesus came to set me free, not to just make me sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I won't do it again. Did it again. I'm sorry I did it again. I won't do it again. I did it again. I'm sorry. He, doesn't, he, did, he wants us to be free. And then number three, living in the tree of life. Man, we're going to have to guard our heart from going back. It's so easy to go from life to death, to living in freedom every day, to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I'm just going to send them an email and tell them what I think. I'm going to respond to that post because that was wrong. Be careful. Guard your heart from going back to just do's and don'ts and rules and religion and, and all of that stuff. Guard your heart. And some of you are there now. Some of you are in the tree of knowledge of good and evil right now. Serving God is a drag to you. Serving God, it, it, it seems exhausting to you. You're like, I, I just... If, if you're there, you know you're in the wrong tree. You know you're living in the wrong tree. C.S. Lewis said it this way that... Human history is the long, terrible story of man trying to find something other than God to make him happy. And, and the truth is, there's nothing else that can do it. There's nothing else that can fulfill it. Amen? So if we're going to be a church that the gates of hell can't prevail against, here's, here's the thing. If we're going to be that kind of church, then we need to be a church that doesn't point out people's sin, but we help them get free from their sin. We're not just going to point out their sin. We're going to help get them free from their sin. Amen, everybody? And we're going to live in the tree of life. Will you bow your heads with me today? And let me close out. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you are working in us. You're moving in us. You're, you're doing a work in our lives. Thank you, God, that you have set us free. So many of us in this room, God, that we're walking in freedom every day. We're grateful for that. But there's a room full of people, I believe, who may be living in the wrong tree. And God, I pray that you would help us to take a step to live in freedom. God, that we would, that we would understand that it's, it's not supposed to be a duty. It's a delight. It's not external. It's internal. It's not works. It's faith. It's not doing more. It's receiving what you've already done. Lord, we thank you that we get to rest in that promise today. Right now, if you're here in this room and maybe you're far from God, maybe you're living in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You, you, you've thought that Christians were a bunch of quacks or, or maybe that it, was, it was all about do's and don'ts and rules and religion. And Listen, it's about a relationship. And maybe you're here today and you need to be in relationship with God. You need to start a relationship for the first time or maybe to start a relationship with Him again. On the count of three, I want you to boldly slip up your hand and say, I'm ready to go all in with Jesus today. I'm ready to go from the tree of knowledge of good and evil to the tree of 
life, living in freedom every day, and it starts with a relationship. If that's you, one, two, three, come on, slip up your hand. I see you, one, two, three. Anybody else say, that's me? All hands up all over the place. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, up top, I see you. Thank you, God bless you. I see you, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of every hand that's up. Thank you. I'm giving my life to Jesus today. I'm going all in. With your head still bowed, I want you to just repeat this prayer after me. Every, every person in the room today, for all those who lifted their hands, say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender. Will you forgive me? Cleanse me? Wash me? Make me new? I need a fresh start. A new beginning. I'm done with the old. I'm coming home to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving your life for me. You are my Lord and Savior. And from this day forward, I will serve you and I will live for you in the tree of life. The best that I know how. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God thanks today. Let's give God all the praise, all the glory.